Welcome to the Sales Hacks Podcast, brought to you by the Canadian Professional Sales Association. Welcome to another episode of the Sales Hacks Show. I'm your host, Bill Bannum. In this episode, we're going to be looking at what goes into creating a sales funnel. Our guest today is Tibor Shanto, Toronto-based sales expert, coach, speaker, and influencer. For sales professionals, team leaders, and organizations across the country, the Canadian Professional Sales Association is your partner in building knowledge and skills to improve sales performance. The CPSA is the advocate for excellence in sales. We invest resources in programming, curriculum development, and professional designations to help individuals and companies become more successful through effective sales. We connect employers and employees, business with academia, and the private sector with government to advance the sales profession and improve Canadian competitiveness. Learn more at cpsa.com and remember to subscribe to the cpsa podcast through itunes google play and more tibor welcome to the sales hack show thank you pleasure to be back bill to begin with tibor can you give us an overview of the first steps in creating a high converting sales funnel I think there's two or three things that you have to do simultaneously one is clearly understand who your primary market is, who your target market is, and then within that, um, begin to take that work down to the individuals within that company or within that target uh, organization that you'll need to uh, target. I think simultaneously, you need to create a pursuit plan. Um, I think anybody that's listening to this, um, it, it hasn't been lost on them that it's not as easy to get in touch with people. And it's not necessarily that they're trying to avoid us, but you know, most of the people that we're trying to reach are probably already packing 16 hours into a 10-hour day. They're implementing whatever plans they have in place for the business. So in order to capture their attention, um, we need to come up with some interesting ways of communicating with them. And that involves means or what I call modes of communication. So not, not everybody response the same way to the same thing. So if you want to take general headings, you know, younger millennials tend to not be as phone-friendly as old guys like me, uh, but I think there are realities in between that consist of text, snail mail, um, LinkedIn, and other means of communicating. So I think you need to come up with, I call it a pursuit plan. I think a lot of people call it a cadence, but you know, how many touch points with what frequency, what consistency of message, and how is that going to be delivered? And again, the work that you did in the first strand, which is who are you targeting, will likely have an impact on this as well. Um, and then going out there and actually sourcing leads that you can work, I think, would be the third. What are some of the tools and technologies that you would always use as part of your sales and marketing toolkit? So, for example, uh, for landing pages, to improve conversion through emails, that kind of thing. Probably an element of my age more than anything else. I tend to look at my conversions manually. A long time ago, I was trained to keep track of the number of uh, attempts or outreaches that I make, how many right-person conversations did that lead to, and then how many tangible results. In many instances, that would be either a face-to-face appointment or an appointment for an intro call or whatever the case might be. Um, At the same time, I use, as you're familiar, since your audience uh, reads some of it. I use a lot of content and then within that content, I offer up free resources that my customers could take advantage of. And, you know, so I send them to a landing page, capture that. 
that then leads to a series of autoresponders, um, different offers, taking advantage of some of the tools that we have today, I can begin to make things quite unique. So if you happen to click on a set of links that is different than the next person, I could probably message you a little bit differently. I think it's not lost on anybody that content marketing is important, but I think the world has evolved and people aren't just looking for content, they're looking for insights and they're looking for real insights. So I think that I would say scratching the surface, I think depending on who you are and, you know, the, the nature of the organization. Um, there's probably some automation around that. So I'll give you an example. Um, I talked about cadence and, and how many times I need to touch somebody in what forms. Um, there comes a point where if you're a hardworking salesperson, which you should be if you're listening to this, you're going to have quite a few prospects that you're following. And if you begin to just do simple math, but if you're pursuing 20 different opportunities at a given time, and you'll need to reach out and touch each of those opportunities 10, 12, 15 times, all of a sudden you're into the hundreds of follow-throughs and we're still limited to a 24-hour day. So if you take a tool like Outreach, um, that will help you in a sense scale yourself from a follow-through perspective and avoid the trap that in any given CRM, if you were to go and look at any individual salesperson's CRM, there's probably about 100 to 200 activities that are meant to be follow-ups that haven't been followed up on. And the net effect of that is that the prospect probably went to somebody else. Again, and you can keep drilling down. There's other tools to analyze different elements of deals to really make sense of the data that you're, that, that you're gathering through your sales journeys. Now tell me, is it possible to tailor the tools which are being used as part of the sales and marketing funnel process based on the preferences and strengths of individual members of your sales team? So for example, if someone is stronger on the phone, to give them more opportunity to use that as their medium. To some degree, I think this should be driven by what type of sale you have, what type of audience you have, and what the customer expectation is. I think it's naive to strictly look at it from our point of view, uh, because ultimately we need to make sure that we align and support the customer's effort, because after all, they're the ones at the center of this whole thing. Organizations are trying to do what you're saying. I'm not sure that it's always working, and I would suggest that part of the reason it's not working is they're trying to bend reality to meet the capabilities or lack of capabilities of some of their salespeople as opposed to shaping the reality around the customer journey and helping facilitate that. How do you think the mechanics of the sales funnel have changed over the last decade? So, for example, due to the onset of social selling? I always use the analogy, and some people don't like it, but you know, until we get to the self-driving automobile, which ostensibly is around the corner, right? But until we get to that point, if you look at cars now, if you look at you know even your average mid-range car, it's highly computerized and it's a lot smarter machine that could probably do a whole bunch of things for you as a driver, you know, worlds away from what you know your '65 Chevy might have done. But at the same time, in terms of driving, there's still some basics that. Until you get that self-driving car, the, the operator in, in, in the context that we're talking, the salesperson is still going to make a difference. So I think things like social selling and some other automation have certainly 
helped in minimizing some of the manual labor that's required at the top of the funnel, the volume-driven activities that are required at the top of the funnel. But I think the final point of execution, when you finally do get in touch with your prospect or you know somebody within the decision-making circle in the company that you're targeting, I think that part of it hasn't changed much. It's evolved. I think people have a greater appreciation that it's not about us as salespeople, and it's not about our unique selling proposition. It's not even about the value proposition. It's about how we need to help the customers. And how we do that and the automation and the tools around that have changed extensively. But I would argue that that's probably a distraction. What hasn't changed is that moment when you and I connect and I need to persuade you to listen to me because I can actually help in what you're trying to achieve and the objectives that you're setting out to to accomplish. Okay, so it sounds like an underlying theme here is is this whole discussion around the left side and right side of the brain and how certain skills they will not be replaced, at least not not just yet. However, uh, there is also a lot of talk about big changes to maybe more junior level sales roles and duties within the next year to two years. So in your mind, Tibor, what does the role and the duties of the, the salespeople of tomorrow look like? That's an interesting question. I wrote a piece about this last week as what's my future in sales, because I think a lot of things are going to be replaced and should be replaced by automation, um, customer success, some of the marketing up front. But I'm going to make a very strong case for the fact that if you're a hunter, if you're good at sourcing a potential prospect and going out there and convincing them that, A, they should consider what it is that you're talking about, and then further that they should consider doing it with you, I don't see that being replaced anytime in the near future. I see the other people being replaced. Certainly, if you look at marketing automation, it's already displaced some people, customer support, account management, fulfillment. I mean, again, if I'm a Staples and I sell you and I, just, and I convince you to go with me, the revenue follows, right? So the people who are going to be servicing the, the customers, the people who are going to be fulfilling the orders, you know, there's going to be all kinds of automation. And, you know, if you look at Amazon, it already exists that if your toner and your copier is down to 20%, it'll automatically send an order to Rico or Staples or whoever. And, you know, some nice looking guy in a, in a uniform is going to come and fill up your toner. All that's part of the sales and revenue, the way people describe it, and all that's going to be replaced by automation. But the guy who brings the prospect to the table and convinces him to leave the other vendor and buy from us, I think those guys are safe if they know what they're doing. Perfect. Great insights, as always, from you, Tibor. Uh, it's always a pleasure to get a chance to interview you. And uh, for now, that just leaves me to say thank you very much for being the guest on this episode of the Sales Hack Show. Always fun. I hope I didn't scare anyone. No, by the sounds of it, the future is actually brighter than some of us have feared. So thank you very much. And until next time, happy selling. Thank you for listening to the Sales Hacks Show. Learn more about the training and benefits from the Canadian Professional Sales Association at cpsa.com.